It's time to get back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Howdy, Minnie! Hope you're doing well. Did y'all hear Minnie Pearl? My sentiments exactly. Howdy. Welcome into the show, Hour 2, off and running with you in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Yep, yep. A whole two or three shows last week about name image likeness stuff going on and commissioners going to Capitol Hill and talking to senators (laughs) like they're going to do anything. You ever think about the... Well, anyway, we'll save that for later. All of that and transfer portal. Remember what? Remember what Marty? Remember what Marty said about the state of college athletics, right? Get out your vacuums, your dust mops, your glass plus, your bleaches, your brasso, fade air freshers. Things are a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. Thanks, Marty. It's Marty. Marty Huggins. And get out your brooms. <laughs> It's a mess. <clears throat> we forgot. Well, not let me put it this way. Not everybody forgot. Apparently, over the weekend, Mike Leach, head football coach, Mississippi State, he hadn't forgotten that the whole college football playoff thing and four teams, that's sort of a mess, too. He's a mess. And bring your brooms because it's a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, did you see what he tweeted? What did y'all think of it? All right. Okay. Let me be honest with y'all on something here. I don't follow Coach Leach on Twitter. I don't hardly follow anybody on Twitter for that matter. I was thumbing through Facebook this morning. I got on Facebook and I posted some pictures from the Gumtree Art Festival this past weekend. Bill, you ever been to the Tupelo Gumtree Festival? You ever happen to pop in on that thing at any point in time? Uh, no, sir, I have not. You haven't? They do it every May. They have a 10K race. They're actually doing that this weekend. They usually do it on the same weekend. But it's a downtown and all kinds of art, art exhibits, and artists, and competitions and whatnot and things. We went to uh, Mary Liddy got a blue ribbon we're really proud of her she won first place in a writing contest for the fourth grade here in tupelo and so she got to go up on the stage at the gum tree and get her her ribbon for winning first place in the writing thing and so we were down there and, and all and so today here it is on monday this morning i get on there and i was posting on facebook some pictures i took at the gum tree art festival so i'm on facebook i'm flipping through and there's this thing that says Now, keep in mind, I hadn't heard anything about it. I did see the results of the Kentucky Derby, although I didn't see the race. We were busy doing Mother's Day stuff this weekend with Annabeth's family. And so we got word, hey, this incredible, some of the family were actually telling us, hey, this incredible long shot won the Kentucky Derby. They were telling us about it yesterday at dinner after church. So today I posted pictures, I'm thumbing through Facebook while I'm there, and I see this thing and it says, Mike Leach's tweet about the Kentucky Derby has gone viral. (laughs) Okay. So without even looking at it, immediately I'm going, Coach Leach, he tweeted, it's about the Kentucky Derby, and it goes viral. 
I need to see what this is. <laughs> You've got me. You have earned my click with that headline. Now, and then what you hope is, that when you know how it is, you see one of those things and you hope, okay, if I'm going to click this, I hope the content is actually worth it. Because sometimes the content is not anywhere near worth the headline. You ever get fooled on the headline? Yeah. Uh, I've been there too on that. But I clicked it. And so it said it went viral. And now I'm looking at Coach Leach's tweet from back on the 7th, two days ago. Uh, it was around 10 p.m. that night. And I'm wondering if this classifies as viral. Bill, If somebody, how do we decide what is and isn't viral? You got me, sir. I don't know either. <laughs> it was like sort of rhetorical because I don't think there's an answer. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> but it got 2,676 retweets, 514 quote tweets, and 31,400 likes. All right, so maybe that means it's viral. Maybe the reaction to it, maybe that classifies as viral there. Here was the tweet from Mike Leach. Quote, that horse winning the Kentucky Derby today is a good example of why an expanded college football playoff is needed. Mike Leach tweeted, that horse hadn't won all the races leading up, but it got its chance, and that's what happened. Okay, so that's the, <laughs> that's the tweet from Coach Leach, and I really think it's sort of benign. The whole tweet is sort of benign. Now, he is a, an SEC head football coach talking about expanding the college football playoff. He obviously does represent Mississippi State because that's where he's coaching. But it's not necessarily a tweet about Mississippi State. It's more about the overall playoff. And he's looking at this horse come from the back. Now, again, I'm looking at, okay, what perspective is Coach Leach tweeting that from? Is it that this horse like charges from the back of the pack to the front or was it just simply being a long shot to begin with? You know, like which of those? So those two things are different. 80 to 1 long shot. What's the horse's name? Rich Strike. With 4 to 1 favorite Epicenter and Zandon engaged in a duel at the front. Rich Strike stole the show with the second biggest upset in the Derby's 148-year history. The Chestnut Colt <laughs> beat Epicenter by three-quarters of a length. Zandon finished another three-quarters of a length back in third. So he comes in there and wins this thing, right? His biggest, biggest upset since 1913. That's a long time ago. Bill nor I were around in 1913 when that happened. No, sir. Just barely. We weren't here. Just barely. So anyway, big long shot. Comes from the back. And Mike Leach tweets, that horse winning the Kentucky Derby today is a good example of why an expanded college football playoff is needed. That horse hadn't won all the races leading up but it got its chance, and that's what happened. That's a tweet from 
Mike Leach and sort of went viral. And the responses and the tweets at it and stuff are absolutely hilarious. Now you some of it, a lot of bad language. You wouldn't want your kids reading it, but I'm telling you, it's there's some funny people out there now. Some of those who agree and some of those who don't agree is funny. I'm just giving it to them. Now, Jason in Flagstaff, he texts the show. I'm, I'm curious what y'all think. Okay, did you see it? Did you have a reaction all those kinds of things? I'm curious what you think. I'll tell you what I think. Jason in Flagstaff, though, he texts the show, country please and text line, says someone should inform Coach Leach that the Kentucky Derby has a buttload of qualifying races, and those races have themselves have qualifying races. There's a reason that the donkey from Shrek isn't running in triple crown races. <laughs> right. Like they're all supposed to be there, right, Jason? The ones that get to the Kentucky Derby, they don't just run out here and pick somebody. But what I don't know, Jason, okay, is the tweet from Coach Leach technically accurate? Can you qualify? Can you can a horse like that run in qualifying races and continue to advance towards the Kentucky Derby? without actually winning, finishing first in qualifying stuff. You know, is there one where, okay, you finish third and you get to go to the next one, and the next one you may win it, and then the next one you finish second, but you still get to go forward, and right? You get what I'm saying? Because he says that horse hadn't won all of the races leading up, but it got its chance, and that's what happened. Like I said, some of the responses were funny. Uh, you see, like people saying, preach on and all this. Then somebody, people responded, hey, win more games is plain and simple. Somebody posted, I hate the college football expansion talk, but I love Mike Leach. Somebody impersonating Elon Musk on Twitter said, I'm going to buy college football and make this happen. Other people going, dumbest take ever. Other people telling Mike Leach to just shut up and go away. Somebody said, Mike Leach for college football playoff committee chairman, but make it a lifetime position. <laughs> and see, I said people are funny. Somebody goes, I'm not sure if I agree with this, but I'd definitely like to see a horse play football. <laughs> I love some of these responses. Some agree. Somebody who's like a sports talk guy said, Mike, I respect you as a head coach. I love the content you tweet out, but I'm 100% against a 12-team playoff. The 14 playoff works and helps us to determine a true national champion. Someone else said, 12 teams in 2026. <laughs> reckon we'll get that I doubt it it doesn't sound like you're going to get it by 26 maybe we do that's that's still four years away okay look here, here let me give you all the facts okay facts as I see them hmm, well okay should I call them facts if there's any room to disagree maybe it's, it's just an opinion should I admit that I believe they're facts alright you could Feel free to tell me I'm wrong and disagree with a couple of the things I'm about to throw at you right here. All right? Listen. 
in the immediate future, see if you disagree with this statement, in the immediate future, it doesn't matter how many teams you include in the first round of, a, of an expanded playoff. We're still going to wind up with the same teams playing at the end of it. That's the, the truth. Everyone agree with that? In the immediate future. 2023 and 24 and 25 and 26, 7, 8. Was that five years? I just went five years down the road. Anytime in the immediate future. If you woke up to, here's another way to look at it. If you woke up tomorrow and you saw a headline that goes, hey, they changed their mind. 12 teams in the college football playoff beginning next year. Okay, that's neat. Lots to talk about. What are the games? Who, when are they going to play them? That's gr- when are they on television? Can't wait. Pull me in. I'm for it. But here's what we know. Just because Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia have to play one more game doesn't mean they still aren't going to be standing at the end. They will. <laughs> we can make it 12 teams. We can make it 16. But when we get to the end of it, it's still going to be Alabama and Georgia. That's just the fact, y'all. It's the fact. Every now and then, the LSU will catch lightning in a bottle. You know, same for Oklahoma, maybe. But it's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, period. And we know that. And, and here's all I have said about the expanded playoff. I can find a position to justify it. When people argue against it, they say, what's the point in expanding it? You're going to come out with the same champion anyhow. And I respond, I agree with you. That's exactly why you need to expand it. This thing is, we have all these facts in front of us, dwindling attendance in stadiums, less and less viewership on television for the playoff, which is a really bad combination together. At least it's not drastic to this point, but mark my words, the portal and NIL is causing a huge portion of your fan bases to loosen their connection to the schools. (laughs) The in-stadium attendance drop is going to steepen in the next couple of years. It is going to accompany a little bit of a, of an ex, of a, a steeper drop in television ratings for the playoff, not necessarily for the regular season. In fact, I might even argue, could argue, that some of the portal stuff, player new players popping up in new uniforms, might actually help some early season, regular season TV ratings and stuff. But I'm just talking about the playoff deal. And that's why. Expand it. It's not like you're harming. People go, just like the one I read a little bit ago, four teams already is going to give us the true national champion. Listen to me. The same teams are going to win it if you open it up to 12 or 15 or 16, I mean. <laughs> it's not changing who your national champion is. All in the world it's doing is bringing more people back to the intri- to the table via interest and, in- and intrigue. Just like Mike Leach says, because there's this 80 to 1 chance that some obscure horse that nobody even knows a name 
just might the, it it might come charging up there. It's probably not going to happen. Well, Matt, it just happened in the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, you know the last time it happened, nineteen thirteen. Over a hundred years ago. That's how rare it is. And by opening up the playoff, add more, you solve so many problems in the immediate future while knowing we're not really changing a whole lot. We're adding a couple of games in the schedule that actually have a little meaning. And guess what? Georgia's still going to beat Cincinnati. Or was it Alabama? Alabama's still going to beat Cincinnati. Okay? Georgia is still going to advance past Notre Dame. Okay? It's just that this time they'll be playing each other in the semifinals instead of, you know, the first game of a four-team playoff. Open up the playoff, and, and now it's going to be what? Alabama versus Oklahoma State in round one. Alabama's got to play one more game. Oh, we can't do it. They're students. Eh. You could tell me that 10 years ago. Not anymore. Throw that logic at me. They're students. They have to go to class. Eh. Doesn't work. Well, uh, they have to play one more game, and uh, they're not even getting anything out of it. Eh. Name, image, and likeness. All of them fill in their pockets. Play one more game. This time, the opening round of the playoff of a 12-team or whatever it is, Alabama's playing Oklahoma State. Guess what? Alabama still advances. But (laughs) instead of 20,000 people watching Oklahoma State play in the Texas Bowl on a Tuesday night in front of 10,000, You'd have 2 million people watching Oklahoma State play Alabama on a Tuesday night in front of 72,000 people. You know it, and I know it. It makes business sense. It makes interest sense. But the idea, what are people in college athletics afraid of? Are you afraid of an 80-to-1 favorite? Is that, is that it? What's everybody afraid of? Are you afraid of the possibility of an 80-to-1 favorite? You can't be because it happens, again, once every 109 years. Okay? It ain't happening. You're going to get the same champions. It's just they might have to play one more game. Oh, shock and horror. They're going to play one more game. When, number one, we've established they really aren't student athletes anymore. Nobody cares about that, apparently. Number two, we're paying them. We're paying them. And number three, the current setup we have, apparently nobody wants to watch it. Nobody wants to buy a ticket. So much so that nobody wants to even buy tickets to the regular season compared to what we used to. And fewer and fewer people are watching it. And as soon as you see what happens this coming December and January, 
when the final regular season attendance numbers show up for Power 5 football. Trust me, it'll be a steeper drop than it's been in years past. And when the television ratings come out for the playoff, trust me, it'll be a steeper drop than it's been in the past. And everybody will look around at each other. Bill Hancock and everybody who was involved in this discussion about expanding the playoff, and they'll go, boy, we really fouled that up, didn't we? Who thought this was a good idea? If you expand the playoff, all in the world you are doing is upping the interest because there's the long shot that an 80 to 1 every 100 years might do something. It's the same reason people run out here and buy a stupid lottery ticket. Let me, hey, newsflash, you're not winning the lottery. But you sure pull into the sack and save and get five tickets, won't you? Every few days. Because you're telling me there's a chance. An 80 to 1 chance. A once in 100 years chance. You've got interest. That's all they're saying with the expanded playoff. And all they have to do is expand it, create six more dates on the calendar, and we're off and running. And I'm just telling you right now, for smart people not to do it is dumb, 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 dumb. Your thoughts, your reactions coming to your text in just a bit. I'm Matt. Stick around. Hey, back with you. Here we go. Rolling along in our number two of the show on this Reaction Monday. Denzel, thanks for texting me. I'm late getting to it, Denzel. But he said, uh, the Kentucky Derby Saturday was the greatest horse race ever. You had a horse win it that wasn't even in the race until a horse scratched on Friday. And not only that, he's the second biggest odds to win the Derby. And how far back he came to win it was just unreal. It said it shows why it's one of the greatest races in the world. No question about it. Was it the greatest horse race ever? Or was the 1973 Belmont the greatest horse race ever? When Secretariat finished the third leg of the Triple Crown on that long racetrack at Belmont that you're supposed to pace yourself. No horse can run at full speed, right? Like the whole time. But oh boy, Secretariat did it. He was so far out in front, the other horses, they couldn't even get him in the same shot with a camera. And the scene in the movie, I, I give him credit. It's a good movie. And that movie, Secretariat, gives me the goose bumps. I'm ready to go every time I watch it.
He laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. That's what I'm talking about. That cracked me up in the movie when the man told the he yelled at the jockey, "Don't fall off, just don't fall off." <laughs> great movie, maybe that one was the greatest race ever. What do you think, Denzel? I mean, I'm not saying either way. I wouldn't know. I don't keep up with it enough. I'm certainly not an expert, and you know, my my knowledge of that kind of stuff may be limited to what Hollywood has shown us over the years, like that one right there. But uh, no, I'm with you. And I hate I missed it on Saturday. Was it? Yeah, it was Saturday, right? <clears throat> I hate I missed it. I saw the results later. We were all geared up, like, ready to watch it. And the pre-race stuff takes forever. And the next thing you know, we had to go off and do some stuff and miss the actual <laughs> the actual race. And, I, and just for the record, I, I did sort of ruffle Annabeth's feathers at one point in the pre-race stuff. And she shut me down real quick and told me to just zip it. And I did. We were with all their family. Somebody said something about going to the Kentucky Derby and getting all dressed up. And I said, now, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, that's the one thing I don't understand is everybody getting all dressed up for this thing. Like, can anybody explain why they do this? <laughs> and she was like, zip it. Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> Uh, okay, back to the expansion thing. Real C, thanks for your text. Country please and text line. Real C says, expansion is good. He says, but got to stop prior to adding field fillers. And the question, when is that? That is a great text. That's an excellent text there, Real C. No question about it. That's a great text because it's the right idea. And and I think you're, you're zeroing in on sort of what their purpose would be in it. I do think that, yeah, I mean, there's an element of, well, what's the right, what are we saying here? Field fillers. Like you just, you create this expanded thing and then you got to throw some teams into it. And, and I know I, I sort of went on that rant there a little bit, right? Because, um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think even if you do expand it past four, you're still going to get the same ones coming out the shoot on the other end in that final game. It's always – it's going to be Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, some combination of that, right? You, you can expand it to 12, and it's going to take that rare 80-to-1 
every 100 years to run in there and beat one of those in that championship deal. But the fact that there would be a chance. And, and so if you go field fillers, right? Well, good point now. Good, good point there, Real C. And that's, let's take that conversation out here for the next four minutes, which is not a long period of time of our lives. It's, I'm going to try not to waste it. If you were to just look last year, now this is the AP, but it's all I've got in front of me right now. I'm, look, I'm not looking at the CFP stuff. But if you were to look at AP, the final, let's go 12. Okay, 12 teams in the final AP last year was one Georgia, two Alabama, three Michigan, four Cincinnati, five Baylor, six Ohio State, seven Oklahoma State, eight Notre Dame, nine Michigan State, 10 Oklahoma, 11 Ole Miss, 12 Utah. That was your final 12 last year in the AP. So you're going how many spots before you're just filling spots? Okay, well, let's just be honest. Number 11 Ole Miss, we saw what happened when number 11 Ole Miss at the end of the year played earlier in the year in Tuscaloosa, didn't we? And I know two years ago that it was a score fest, but we saw what happened last year, right? No contest. And that was not Alabama's best team, was it? Certainly not at the time Ole Miss went over there and played them, was it? Get your popcorn ready. And it was no contest. Let me ask you a question. That Ole Miss team last year played that Alabama team five times. What's the result? Same thing, over and over and over. That's what I'm saying, Real C. The reality on the... The reality when we have narrowed it down to the final two, three, four teams, the reality is the same no matter how you shape it before that. My question to you is, why? I think we all know why. I mean, it is what it is. Because the you have a combination of, of a sport that is the most lucrative far and away on these schools' campuses, on most Division I school campuses, far and away the most lucrative for the school in every way. They are cash cows, these college football programs. It's the thing. Therefore, it gets the emphasis and the um, backing, so to speak, right? Paired with living in a day and a time under a governing umbrella called the NCAA that is completely and utterly a ghost that everybody believes in. I mean, seriously, raise your hand if over the last five to ten years, if you believe that Georgia's recruiting under Kirby Smart has been totally above board by the letter and NCAA rules and deserves no look from an enforcement staff. (laughs) (laughs) Ohio State. Seriously. You get what I'm saying? Okay, well, that being the thing, it's just basically whoever can get the most interest and the biggest fan base and the most revenue with the biggest budget and the most interested, wealthy Boosters involved in a program has got the best chance to run out here and be at the top. And that's why you've just got a Grand Canyon gap. I've described it in every way I know how on this show for the, the three or four years we've been doing it now. And it's true. 
There's a Grand Canyon gap. A few programs on one side and everybody else on the other. And, and some things go into it. But it's clear what it is. You don't, it's not the NFL where there are salary caps and everybody operates under the same financial model. It's not the NFL where the worst teams one year go get the first draft picks the next year. It's all because of recruiting. And now in recruiting, Real C, you're throwing in the transfer portal. It only helps the, the haves. You're throwing in name, image, and likeness. It only makes the strong stronger. That's all this does. It only widens the gaps that already exist. That's what I'm saying, Real C. Your premise that Okay, you want to expand, but, but don't expand to the point where you're adding field fillers. Listen, expanding it to four teams was almost that. You can't expand it to two more teams in a playoff without it being field fillers. Because Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State are still going to outspend everybody. The gaps that already exist are only getting bigger. So you want to at least... Uh, for the time frame over the next few years that you're going to figure all this stuff out and hopefully settle it into a comfortable spot, at least in the meantime, you can expand it so that the interest comes back, people come back, and every, you hold serve. You hold on to what you have at least until you can get it figured out and break off into your super conference in a few years. If you don't, I'm just telling you, Watch what happens. <laughs> it ain't going to be great. Stick around. He's going all the way. With playoff caliber sports talk, it's the Matt Wyatt Show. Hello, back with you. All right, y'all, here it is. Here's where things stand. Regarding the race to Hoover <laughs> for the SEC baseball tournament, as of today, now it's going to change in one shape, form, fashion. It is going to change one way or the other between now and the end. But as of today, 12 teams are going to make the SEC baseball tournament. Ole Miss is 11th out of 12, and State is tied for the last spot with Kentucky. Okay, that's where we are in regards to the SEC baseball tournament in Hoover. Is Ole Miss is in the next to last spot. State is in the last spot, but they are not in it alone. They are tied with Kentucky, which means they are also tied with Kentucky for the 13th spot. <laughs> That's also what that means, okay? So they're neither in nor out, okay, as it stands right now. Now, Missouri's in the bottom of the league. But as things play out the next two, couple of weekends, State must play at Texas A&M and then host Tennessee to top 10 teams, right? Keep in mind that depending on what Missouri does in the next two weeks, Missouri has the tiebreaker over Mississippi State. If they were to move up, State were kind of holding serve and found themselves in a tie with Missouri because they're only two games better than Missouri right now. Missouri won the series. 
Therefore, they'd have the tiebreaker. You know, again, depending on what Ole Miss does, if State were to find itself in some sort of tie-up with Ole Miss, State's going to win a tiebreaker because they won the regular season series. Now, State and Kentucky have not played each other and do not pay, play each other. So if we get in two weeks from today um, and there's some sort of tie there, the way the tiebreaker will be broken, since they are non-division, they don't play in the same division, and they did not play each other head-to-head. The first tiebreaker is head-to-head competition. They didn't play each other, they're not going to. The next one would be if it's divisional opponents and you take a certain um, tiebreaker, it would be win-loss percentage within their division opponents, but they're not. It's non-divisional opponents, Kentucky and – or teams, Kentucky and State. And the way – if they did it today and State and Kentucky were tied for the last one, they would take the win and loss record versus the highest seeded common opponent. Now, Tennessee's the one seed, but State hasn't played them yet. They will, though. And then Tennessee's probably going to be the one seed. The two seed right now would be Arkansas. They both have played Arkansas. Arkansas swept Kentucky. Okay. State took one game against Arkansas. If it came down to that, State would have the the tiebreaker. But listen to this. Here's the thing about it. State's going to play Tennessee. Most likely. Tennessee's sitting there with a four-game lead in the league right now. Most likely, when we get to the end of this, if State and Kentucky were to remain tied, the tiebreaker would be the highest-seeded common opponent. That will be Tennessee. Kentucky just took two out of three from Tennessee this past weekend. See, Kentucky isn't going to help themselves get into Hoover just by doing that. Potentially, because if they wind up in a tie with Ole Miss, same thing. Tennessee swept Ole Miss. Kentucky took two out of three. If they wind up tied, they go non-division, and they'll go highest-seeded common opponent there in the league. Isn't that something? So you'll be looking at that Tennessee series at the end of the year as really like if things hold where they are right now, State remains tied with Kentucky. State may be having to win that series Okay, here's the thing, though. What if that tie stayed the same? They would go to Arkansas and then State would win it. See what I'm saying? If, if State were to somehow miraculously beat Tennessee in a series, two out of three, the same way Kentucky did, they would just go to the next one, which would be then Arkansas, the two seed as it stands right now. Jay, uh, <laughs> now why you got to throw that in there, Jay? <laughs> Jay texted the show and said, what happens if we sweep the next two series? And but he but he added on there, LOL, and then sent me the <laughs> then sent me the gif of the old Snaggletooth cartoon where he's giggling, laughing. <laughs> Come on, Jay, got to have hope, man. <laughs> got to be positive. Hey, uh, 
let me read you this too. You need to know this because I, I sort of, I sort of previewed this story for you. Y'all knew it was going to happen. We talked about it on Friday. Um, that it was going to happen, and it wasn't like there was going to be some big result was going to come out of these commissioners going to meet with Congress. So we talked about Friday. It's going to happen. Let me just give you some quotes here so you'll be aware. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyakov met with U.S. Senators in Washington, and they were asking for help for name, image, and likeness policies and that sort of thing. Here is a quote from George Klyakov in a statement about the meeting with members of Congress. The PAC-12 greatly appreciates the opportunity to engage in productive conversations with U.S. Senators in an effort to create name, image, and likeness legislation that protects our student-athletes while allowing them to maximize their opportunities. you, you care about that? I mean, you, is that a, a meaningful quote there? Um, Senator Washington Senator Maria Cantwell was contacted by Klyakov. He and Sankey then met to discuss the need for legislation. Okay, so she's a Democratic senator from Washington. They also involved Republican senator from Tennessee, Marsha Blackburn as well as other senators from both parties. Blackburn said in a meeting, in a statement issued after the meeting, for far too long, the NCAA has refused to allow student-athletes to benefit from the use of their name, image, and likeness. NCAA President Mark Emmert's resignation is one of many necessary structural changes that will enable the NCAA to support our student-athletes. I continued to push for the accountability and fairness measures our student-athletes deserve. Sankey also issued a statement expressing thanks for the, quote, opportunity for conversation and dialogue with members of Congress. Yeah. So there you go. Um... There were a few other quotes, though, that I wanted to get to. Here we go. Bob Bowlesby, outgoing Big 12 commissioner. Quote, getting anything done before the midterm elections is going to be next to impossible. See, here's how this works. When you are outgoing, there's more of a chance you'll just tell it just like it is. I mean, what are they going to do, fire you? I'm quitting anyway. <laughs> Getting anything done before the midterm election is going to be next to impossible. It's great that they are going to do it, he says, whether anything comes of it, and then he shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> Quote, we've had relationships with the same people they're talking to for a while, so we'll see what comes of it. And then the end quote from Bob Bowlesby, outgoing Big 12 commissioner, who's a little more willing to just say it like it is, quote, I wouldn't put too much significance on these meetings. 
<laughs> That's fantastic. All right, now this comes from uh, Pac-12 Commissioner. Either the NCAA is going to get its act together in enforcing this, or I'm going to be pushing for a smaller group to figure out how to create and enforce the name, image, and likeness rules that we all agree on related to inducement and pay for play. The amount, this is a commissioner now, the amount of a name, image, and likeness payment should be commensurate. Boy, there's an underused word in the English language in everyday conversation. Should be commensurate with the work done as a backstop to make sure we're not using it related to inducement and pay for play. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. George, Mr. Sankey, open your eyes now. Surely, I get it. It's a quote. You got reporters, and so we're careful what we say in front of reporters. Come on, now. <laughs> the, the cow is out of the barn. Barn's up in flames. You're going to have a hard time getting that cow to go back in there. Okay. I'm Matt. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Been a fun reaction Monday. We'll see you mañana, same time, same place. See you then. 